Welcome to Last Dish, where we dive into the recipes of outlier hospitality leaders. And the mindsets that got them there. yoo Welcome to another episode of Last Dish. My name is Chef Stephen Halsong, along with my co-host Adam Smith. Today's episode is with my buddy and local juggernaut, Mike Hawk, founder of Tony Bologna's. This dude is not just the founder of a normal pizza shop, he is a marketing genius. He is out of his mind in the best way possible. Funny, creative guy. He owns four locations throughout New Jersey and growing. He's most well known for his viral creations, his taco pizza, ramen pizza, and let's not forget our old bagel pizza collab that went absolutely viral. Mike has been featured on every major publication you can think of, along with Live with Kelly and Ryan, Action Bronson's show, Good Morning America, and many others. He not only tells us about his story, but what goes behind his creative process, his leadership style, and what he thinks makes a successful food business. We did this podcast inside of Tony Bologna's location in Jersey City, so you'll be hearing some raw craziness in the background throughout. So uh, hope you guys enjoy this funny, insightful conversation. Let's get it. Well, I appreciate you uh, giving us the time, man. I feel like we got a little live audience. We got the customers. We got the music in the background, huh? Yeah, we're rocking out. We'll just go. We'll do the intro later, man. I mean, obviously, you know, I've known you for a long time now. Um, we built a, a solid business working relationship. We've done serious collabs. Um, before that, I actually don't know about your story and how you even got into Tony Bologna's. I know AC was your first location, but if you don't mind, just give us a quick like rundown on Tony Bologna's and how you even started to get into the pizza game. Yeah, so basically in 2006, 2006, I had another business, totally different business, unrelated, and my father called me, he was like, hey listen, you know, do you want to buy a piece of property in Atlantic City? They're building a new casino, uh, MGM. 2015, 16, uh, sorry, 2005, 2006, and I was like, uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> and uh, How old were you at the time? I would have been 25. Okay. So I tried buying a piece of real estate in New Bedford, Massachusetts in 2003. Why there? I went to school at UMass. Okay. So my buddies from like Rochester, Mattapoiset, Marion, Tritown, you know, so I kind of understood or knew the area. And um, so I tried buying a piece of property there, and I saw someone get like stabbed, thrown out the third floor window. What? I realtor pulled out a gun. You saw like, it? Oh yeah. Well, you heard about it on like the news. Well, uh, um, no, no, I was there. Like we went to to do the inspection, and across the street, someone went flying out of the window, and the guy came in down, stabbed him, and then now the guy came out with a metal rake and like. <laughs> Like craziness. <laughs> so I said to my father. A metal father, rake makes it more absolutely out of Yeah, out to my father, I was like, I'm not really into doing this. Like, I, I, my father's in real estate. Like, that's what he does. What was the goal? To buy it and rent it out? Kind yeah. Of thing? Investment property? Yeah. It's like six family. It was like, it was pretty inexpensive. So, and my buddy and I at the time could float it. So we were going to do it. And then essentially, I saw someone get almost murdered, maybe murdered, because they then ran and a semi came in the middle of the street and then they disappeared. And the three guys came back. The one guy did not. So whether he got away, which I highly doubt. Uh, wow. Cops came. Everyone's like, I don't know anything. I mean, it was wild. So after that, I was it's like, It's a cold I, case being reopened right now. I was just like, yeah, I'm not. I mean, I think I'm, it happens. I'm just, I'm just curious how this transitions over to Tony Bologna's, which is <laughs> yeah. out of control. Pizza yeah, yeah, gets yeah. in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fast forward a few years, same thing happened in Atlantic City to me too. So. Oh, my God. But, uh, and I was the one chasing the guy down. So essentially, 
you know, that happened. And I, I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, this is nuts. Like, my father, it's his game. Like, I, it's not my game. So he called me years later and was like, listen, you know, do you want to do it? And I'm like, no. And he's like, you know, we would rent it out to a deli bodega. It wouldn't be something that we would operate, really. We'd rent, you know, there's a lot of, you know, and, and you have 5,000 construction workers building this property. And then when they finish construction, then they're gonna, someone's gonna buy the land and they're gonna build another casino. I was like, all right, cool. Outfitted the whole nine yards, went to rent it out. The first party that was all in was like, nope. The second party that was gonna rent it out, no, nah, we don't wanna do it. And it came down to it after we put in, you know, 100 plus thousand dollars into the property, plus buying the building, no one wanted to rent it. And I was just like, holy shit. So I called my buddy Nick. I called my buddy Nick that I went to college with. He was working on Wall Street, needed a little bit of a break. And he's like, uh, I'm down to move down there and like run a bodega if you want. I was like, all right, fuck it, let's do it. So yeah. we opened it up, Tony Baloney's, my father and I. And it was like a bodega, deli, frozen food, feeding construction workers. And you had like two to 5,000 construction workers every day just like coming in, like just frozen shit. It was, it was not what we do. It was just, yeah. you know, like, it didn't matter. It was like unit economics, transactions, like, did not matter at all. And we ran it that way, and it was great. Until it wasn't, because then Revel lost their funding from China. I think Morgan Stanley at the time took a hit. They already put in one point plus billion dollars into the property, and they said, all right, well, we're not gonna, we have no more money to, to finish the project. So you had 5,000 construction workers that went to zero overnight. Holy shit. And I was just like, holy shit. I was like, holy shit, like this is not good. Like this is, like, this is a problem. And then... Um, so was Revo built by then or it wasn't even... It no, was I like, it was like running a little bit like efficiently and all no, of the that. No, 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 there. no, no. Then, it was no running. I thought it was... This is during construction. This is like before. This is before. I thought it was running for like a little bit. And yeah, then it, it was. This is, this is like three years prior. Oh, this is okay, like, okay. Yeah, two like, like they built a tower yes. and then they ran out of money for the second tower. They still have not built the second tower. Oh my God. They were okay. able to muster enough money and leverage tax, whatever, the hell. whatever you know, yeah. debt service and, you know, and basically they, um, they, so you had they less than 5,000. So there's no 5,000 workers anymore. So then you were no, just the whole like, point of us being there was, was feed them was, was not the purpose anymore. <laughs> so at that point it's like, well, what do we do? And I said, you know what, like, fuck it. Let me dive in deep, let me shut it down. My buddy Nick was like not done with it yet. He was still like, I'm down, you know? So I was like, all right, if you're down, like, let's do it. Went in, was like, all right, guys, so like, we're gonna switch gears. Like, we're not gonna buy frozen dough anymore. We're gonna make it. And all the guys were like, oh, okay. Well, that's my recipe and I'm not gonna tell you what it is. Okay, dude. I was like, oh, (laughs) okay. Well, we're also gonna do our own cheesesteaks with fresh steak, no. Uh, we can do it, but like we're not going to do that. And I was just like, wait a second. My employees are telling me they're not going to do things for us. My food suppliers are telling me to buy everything frozen. Everyone is like working against us to like decrease a proper margin that you otherwise maybe be able to squeak out in the food business, unless you're like an airport or a, a sports stadium. That's not this. So I was like, you know, fuck it. Food supplier, you're gone. Employees, you're all gone. Start, start from scratch. I had no employees. Me and my buddy. He's not a cook at all. He likes to eat, smoke a lot of weed, and drink. So I was like, all, it's all right. coming together now. Yeah, so, like, all right. <laughs> so we spent like a month just going through stuff and tweaking recipes and, um, and get everything you know, where it needs to be. 
and we opened up with maybe like six signature subs, maybe like six or seven signature pizzas, everything from scratch, make your own yeast, make your own cheese, make your own everything, and like to the point where I was like, all right, well, how do you make mozzarella? Like, well, you don't want to do that. Okay. Option B, if I do want to do that, that you can buy curd. Okay, option C, if I don't want to buy curd, I want to make curd. Well, that's not possible. And it's like, all right, well, you're definitely not my fucking food supplier. Peace. You know, that was kind of like the... And then you find the happy medium, obviously. How, did you, how did you learn your recipes? Like where, how, where did you get your creativity like, from? Like breakfast sausage. Yes. Like, it's not really probably worth it for you to make your own breakfast sausage. Yes. Some companies do it really well. Yes. Right? So, and that's the thing. It's like, you go to Philly, you get a Philly-style cheesesteak. Like, it is what it is. It's ribeye steak. You know, like, it's cheese whiz. If you want to get critical about it, you can say, well, you know, we make our own cheese whiz, which we do. But if you're in Philly... Cheese Whiz is what they've been using since they started making cheesesteaks. Right. Like, it is what it is. Yes. So I understand that. From our perspective, it is not what it is. So, so we, we basically did everything from scratch, and it started catching on. And where does the name Tony Bolognese come from? It means, like, bad little boy. So basically, back in the day, my great-grandfather called my grandfather, who called my father, who then called me, Tony Bologna. And if you watch movies from, like, the 50s... 40s, 50s, like the father comes in, horn rim glass, horn rim glasses, newspaper in his arm, pipe in his mouth, and he walks in from work with his briefcase, and he's like, ah, oh, you little Tony Bologna, just get upstairs and wash your face. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Being bad little boys. And it means like bad little boy. Dude, how often okay. do you get called Tony? I mean, every day. <laughs> I mean, the best when people come in, they're like, yo, what's up, Tony? What's up, Tony? And I'm like, hey, what's up? Like, yeah, 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 you know? Or they'll come in and be like, where's Tony? And I'm like, oh, he's not here. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen him in a while. Speak I'm, like, to Tony. I'm like, yeah, you know, he's, you know, you know, what happened to him, right? Oh yeah, I know. My fucker's in jail in Sicily. <laughs> he got Just caught. He got, he got, crazy he got caught. And they're like, yeah, I was in out with him. Thank God I wasn't around for that one, you know. Anyway. And I'm just like, oh my God. We came from like desperate times in Atlantic City to power through and make it work there with locals and tourists and I mean it doesn't matter anyone who and now it's celebrities whatever yeah, to come how, to there how long did the Tony Bologna's location Atlantic City transition into the next location how long were you there for? it's like four years four years just like just grinding and trying to four figure years out your of, voice I mean four years of just you know every single day seven days a week just grinding it out and instilling in like the core team just why it's important that we don't you know the, the, the normal lot of pizzerias is that you know you basically use pizza from the night before that's on the, in the slice counter and you saran wrap it and the next morning you spray it with water put it back in the oven quickly pull it out and put it on the counter so when you walk up to pizzeria and it opens at 10 o'clock and at 10 o'clock in the morning there's like three slices of one and one slice of another and you're like wow like wow they're, they're, they're busy this early it's like no they're not busy this early they just didn't sell it last night yeah, you know and it's those things that we just like I wasn't into and to get someone out of that and then understand the economics of why they do it and why we're not going to do it takes a lot of time and I never worked in a restaurant I never had a job I always worked for myself other than selling uh, umbrellas at a flea market with my uncle Sid since I was eight years old until college I worked with my father in his business and doing stuff but like you know I worked at Starbucks which was my only job and I was fired so I was always on my own to do it so like the food business was no different like I had to figure it all out by myself Food costing, management, employees, like. That's, no, I, I couldn't even imagine. I mean, so how, where do you look for in reference to direction? 
especially in the beginning, what were you doing? Were you reading like books versus YouTube? Like, how do you? No, I mean, I went to out? school for like resource economics, so I understand economics yeah. to a degree, marketing and management to a degree. But it's like to me, when I'm hiring people, management or anybody, my first thing is like, they're a good person. You think they're a decent person? And if the answer is yes, then it's like, all right, well, then they can learn if they want to learn. You know, are they a decent person? Is there a willingness to learn? If those two things are yes and yes, you know, give them a shot. If the answer is yes and no or no and yes or whatever, then it's probably, you know, it takes a little more diving in deep. But, you know, it's like trial and error like anything else. Made a lot of mistakes along the way and you just learn spent from a lot of money and, yeah. you know. I mean, I always say it to my, to my team and to even to my, uh, to my partners, like everyone makes mistakes, just idiots repeat them. Yeah. You know, as long as you're just making the mistakes and be like, okay, that was a massive mistake and just identifying what the mistakes are right. and then trying to figure out, all right, how can we not replicate that situation right. again? Like I know over the years we've spoken about stuff and like you've made mention to things that like your father does or yeah. like, you know, in his past things. And I'm sure over the course of the last few years, things that you thought were like, why would he do that or whatever it is, I'm sure I've come full circle for you. We're like, I totally understand why he would do that. Yeah, or like, in a, in I don't a way, get that. It, why would he do? Why would you do that? Or like that's, and then you realize like there's a reason why. Yeah, I think the more thing or, with with him and I was more just me. Him and I were super combative when I first opened because there's a lot of things that I did that 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 he didn't want to do, and that's what that's what ended up helping Hoboken. You know, like even just the piece of equipment that I needed. Right, right. he always worked off of a two foot grill, right. flat top. You see, O Bagel. Like, could you imagine me rocking out on a two foot? Right. Flat top? No way. I have a six foot flat top, you know? Yeah. Things like that, convection oven, my system of operations, all of those things is how him and I butt heads. Yeah. Um, but yes, how he did the bagel itself and things like that, and how he treats his people. And I think the biggest thing that I learned from him, off of what you said too, is no one's going to do it better than yourself in the beginning, too, man. It's true. Like, you just have to, like, anyone who's trying to open up a food business or any business or anything has nothing to do, even though I'm just on a restaurant. If you want to get something accomplished, you want to be an entrepreneur, like, you have to do it yourself and lead by example. Yeah, you have to. Supply yourself with a team of people, but, like, no one's going to do it better than you. But, yeah. You've got to build the systems, though. Right? Yeah, systems never fail. People right. do. Yeah. You've got to be the one building a system. You can't just throw money at problems. Yeah, 100%. So, to, to wrap up an AC, that's just kind of how it all, all happened. So right now we're sitting in your Jersey City location. Yeah. Um, awesome brand, cool vibe with everything on the walls, everything. Can you just talk us through, because this is a different brand than you had, what, two years ago. Can you talk us through like your initial brand and kind of what your thought was there with Tony Bologna's yeah. and then why you rebranded and then why you rebranded into what you are now? Yeah, so like the first brand was basically, how do we articulate that we're a pizzeria and be a little different than the normal pizzeria. So like you would choose red and green and white, you know, colors. You'd have a guy with a mustache and a fucking little hat. You'd have all those things, you know, so you need those elements. It's like, you can't have O bagel and just call it like, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, you could, but you know, it'd take a little more effort for people to like get it. Yeah. So we had to go a little bit deep into like the, I don't know, you know, I call it tropes of, you know, but it's, it's, it's uh, that's how it started. So it was a little different. We chose blue as a color, black and blue. At first, the initial menu it's it's red, and it has a guy with a big pot belly, and he's tossing pizza in the air. Like it was traditional. This is our market. This is who we're going for. We want the construction workers or anybody at that point, even pre-construction. You know, it was nothing, and that's how it started. And then as we started going forward. And I used to do all my own graphics. My guy Ross did the initial like guy logo. 
and I would do everything else. And then fast forward, I linked up with a guy to do Farm Table um, and helped me rebrand Farm Table. Little similar logo, but a little different, a little more upgraded, do our labels, our jars. And I said to him, I was like, you know, I really want to do a rebrand and I'm not really feeling it for myself to like do it. I need someone that's a little more capable, tuned into like, you know, uh, branding and packaging and whatever. Yeah, like they specialize in it. Yeah, like that's what he does. So I said, I can't veer too far from the logo. I have to tweak it a little bit. It still needs to be a little cursive. I want to have our own type font for everything. I don't want to use any generic fonts. Um, and I want it to be a little more crisp and clean and the brand to articulate the fact that we like do shit. It's not just like, you know. So we did a, I basically did a focus group and over time, it was of course like six months, eight months, the general consensus of the focus group was, A, you're a kid's pizza place, B, you're a franchise, C, you're on the same level as Chuck E. Cheese, Domino's, Papa John's, Hungry Howie's, you name it, of the customers that have never eaten it from us. They've just heard about us or they walk by our store every day. Yeah. That's what they thought, legit. That's that, and, and we just serve pizza, by the way. No way. That's what they thought. Mm. For the customers that did know us, we were fun, quirky, whatever, but it's still like, they didn't know like we made things. They thought literally like frozen shit out of a bag and we just like do it. So in tweaking the, the, the branding, it was like, I really want to emphasize and clear out any like the misconceptions, get away from these things that are clouding people's brains, get away from the goofiness, but still retaining some like silliness and fun, have a little more hard and have a little more like, like I'm gonna derive my own idea of what this brand is rather than, you know, look at things. And, and during the focus group, Caleb came to me and said, look, and he sent me this picture. You ever see those pictures where it's like a thousand pictures that make up like a face? Yeah. Yes. It was basically Magic that. Magic eye, right? Is that what that? Oh, I know. That's something. Whatever. Yeah. I know what you mean. Though. But it was essentially that. And then you looked into the pictures and it was different pizzerias from all over the country. That was a guy with a mustache and a fucking hat, the big pot belly and all the Italian stuff. So he said, he's like, look, this is, look at this. These are like thousands of pizzerias. They all have like a variation of your logo. So like we are making the right decision. And then we start going from there and like tweaking it and changing things and the, the cursive on the T, how it flips around. Was it flipping enough? Did it have to make it bigger? How closely did it match the old one? And like, you know, little by little by little. I mean, now you see where, you know, now it's been where it's at. If you look back 10 years ago, could you imagine where you're at right now? I mean, I didn't really have any expectation of anything when we opened it up. I mean, I would just go through the motions of owning a small business, paying payroll, understanding margin, and looking at, you know, from a, a business perspective. And then it's like, well, if it's working, then maybe it's something for me to get excited about. You know, like if your bagel store wasn't working, yeah, and it was just, it like, and you could barely pay your bills, let alone pay a paycheck, like maybe you wouldn't be so excited about it. Maybe you'd be like, all right, well, let's just let it do what it's gonna do and hope for the best and try our hand at making yeah. it better. Whereas if it's doing well, it's like, all right, now you have something to sink your teeth into. Like, why is it doing well? What do people like? What do people don't like? I know, it, it sounds easier than oh, no. than to do, but like when it actually is successful, we all know the food business, like you have to continue to put the gas on the fire. No, you, you cannot take your foot off the gas. Yeah, ever, at all. Like ever. you have to continue to get that fire going, going, going. Like, you went viral numerous, numerous times. Um, what, because my mic? They're gonna, it, they, they wanted me to do the stand and I'm a handheld guy. Oh, Anyways, yeah. so in reference, like you, what makes you continue to push forward, you know, and not being too comfortable? 
I mean, I don't think you ever can get comfortable. I mean, go on Yelp, go on TripAdvisor, you know, as good as you may be or, or think you're being or your processes are down pat, there's always gonna be something that either you find out or something that perception-wise is just unfortunately the reality. You know, like this store, for example, like we do really good numbers here. We got an amazing team. The food we're putting out here, I think, is just as consistent, if not sometimes more consistent than like Hoboken, because sometimes it gets busy, we get a little overwhelmed, sometimes like things get a little loose, but not to the point of like disaster, yeah. or even sacrificing quality, just things that maybe I see. You know, you're a little quick to cut the pizza rather than like letting it sit and cut it nice and whatever. But here, delivery was an issue, and we just weren't meeting those demands. We were putting the food out there, but our drivers were either not getting to the customer right, or it was taking too long, whatever it is. So all yeah. of a sudden, a piece of pizza or a sub that was phenomenal turned into the worst pizza you've ever tasted in your life mm -hmm. because of all those other variables. And it's like, if you take your foot off the gas in any which way, you can put it the best pizza you've ever had. You can put it the best food. You can have the best customer service. But if you don't meet one of those cylinders that are supposed to be firing, you, you know, you're going to start seeing gaps. And right. it's like, you know, whatever you're going to do, you got to go 100 on it. If you're going to offer delivery, like, you know, yeah. you've been through ups and downs with of that. Of course. I, I've been like, you got you to gotta continue to push until you get it right. We're Not getting it right is not an option. Yeah. You're, you're in four locations now, right? Four, yeah. 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 Atlantic City, Hoboken, Jersey City, and uh, Long, Long Branch, Branch right? Right? Pier Village. Pier Village. Do you have any aspirations? You mentioned franchising earlier. Um, do you have any thoughts that you might be doing that in the future? Do you want it all in-house and corporate? Sure yeah, I mean, you know, right now we're expanding internally. You know, we, we get approached all the time by franchise companies. Um, and a lot of the deals, although they seem great on paper, you know, you start flushing them out and you start looking more into it. You know, I'm sure financially a lot of times it could be a great option. On the flip side, there's the bad options, there's the bad scenarios that happen, and there's plenty of horror stories about franchising as much are there, you know, as there are great stories about franchising. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that for me anyway, I think, you know, we, we, you know, we picked Long Branch specifically because it was a different kind of market, it was a different type of scenario than we otherwise would be into. You know, I opened up in the Prudential Center for that same reason. It's not because I thought it was going to be a great money play. It was just a different vehicle for what we did. So I wanted to see, like, how could we make it work, you know? And um, same thing with, like, you know, Jersey City. Like, it's close enough with Hoboken, but it's not really the same market as Hoboken. It's a, And the markets kinda, are big enough that it can kind yeah. of separate. You know, yeah, you know? but, they're, but they're two different animals. Like, yeah, as much, different. It, you, you could literally take that store, same staff, clone them, and put them here. It's a different market. It's It's different demo. It's just... You know, so with all that being said, I, I feel like I, I want to still better understand those things. If a franchise company would be able to facilitate that along with everything else that goes along with, with franchising, I, I would be more than happy to entertain it. But to me, like the foundations of those things are so critical in understanding just, you know, how this business operates. What are the real margins? What does it take to staff? What is a reasonable expectation of bottom line profit how much are you willing to give up to online apps yeah what employees do you need what level of management per store do you need are you heavy on counter people or are you more tiered management like in hoboken or here where hoboken have like three general managers come up until four man. in the morning right and no, you I have to have someone responsible on at all times you know to make sure that if people line out the door and something happens like you can't expect maybe a high school kid to 
you to jump to it. That. I think what you just said too, it's about creating that foundation, right? So like the strong, the taller the tree, the stronger the winds. And if you don't have a strong foundation, that tree is going to fall and it's going to fall str- like aggressively. But yeah. if you have a strong foundation, you know, you can obviously deal with the situations that come up a lot uh, easier. Yeah. And to me in franchising, you know, a lot of times you see a different, you know, management approach and their management approach is like uh, an area director approach and you have a bunch of people working, but then you have one guy that kind of takes care of the stores and you have a general manager, but the structures of those businesses a lot of times to me, you know, you, you need a you need a big foundation to support that, to support those managers. If you don't have that, it's you know, it's it's a lot of work for every location, like which you know we're kind of experiencing now. Oh yeah, I, I hate to see that being articulated in a different market with a new set of eyes that maybe isn't the right fit. What was the um, what was the biggest obstacle slash failure that you had you have o- had to overcome throughout your whole past career? in your whole career what's like the biggest obstacle you're like holy shit I have to really you know I just got slapped in the face with this and how are you going to overcome that is there anything that you I mean I feel like it's it's uh probably the person getting stabbed and thrown out the window (laughs) no I mean I mean you would think I think I think the biggest thing for me is you know communication in general and fleshing out you know, clear communication, clear expectation with employees, with managers, with vendors and stuff like that. And understanding that, you know, it's, you know, this is a business. So it's business is business as much as I have my heart into it, as much as I care deeply about it and would stay here 24 hours a day, seven days a week if I could, you know, it is a business and it has to be treated as such. And there's some hard constraints that sometimes, you know, they're difficult conversations to have with the manager, have with staff, because you know they're working hard, you know they're caring a lot. It's just for some reason, one of those pieces isn't working. And the other piece of it is understanding, you know, in this business, this is a different kind of business than other businesses. This is not like uh, a retail store that holds inventory. I mean, this is an ever-flowing cycle of inventory with a lot of variables and a lot of room for error, as I'm sure yeah, you know. Yeah, the room for error is outrageous. Yeah, it's all so, about trying to minimize that as much yeah, as possible. And, and, you know, this one guy told me a long time ago, he basically said, like right now I'm putting in orders for this store, or I'm checking orders, uh, you know, had, had told me a long time ago, this is a nickel and dime business. Um, and you really need to watch your margin. You really need to make sure that you're every day walking on that fine line. And like, you know, the way I, the way I, I say it is that like obstacle wise, like if you can imagine you walking every day and every day a really fucking scary clown jumps out of nowhere the machete with like blood salivating from his teeth, but like he doesn't stab you. He almost stabs you and then he fucking goes away, he disappears and you're like, what the fuck was that? Like, <laughs> holy shit. Oh my God. Like that to me is very similar to this business and you have, and, and you, and you, and you, well, and the thing is like, you have to be immune to it. Dude, that's funny, man. You, you but you, ha- yeah, but you have to, you have to make yourself, you have to make yourself immune to it. You have to be able to compartmentalize it and not let it critically affect you so you can like live a normal life and you can like spend time with your family and kids and like go on vacation and not feel like you're 
you know, you're going to get stabbed by a clown. You're, you're, you're going to get stabbed by a clown every day. And it's really hard to do. And it's easier said than done. But, you know, if you can succeed in doing that, I think in general, um, this, this business is for you. And, <laughs> you know, just avoid and, getting murdered by clowns and, every day. And like, I'm, I'm seriously, I, I it's funny, like, but I tell all my guys all the time and, and they laugh at me and I'm like, yo, it's not funny. Like think about that. And then you really think about it if you're no, in this business. If it's like, it is like, it's like a Marshawn Lynch, like quote, but if you really think deep in it, it actually makes sense. Total sense. Like just in sense of like, the mental health aspect of it and just everything like just, just prevailing through the ups and downs of this business. It's is, the wins. Is, it's the wins. Absolutely out of control. And, 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 and again, to me, it's like, and I'm not, I love this business. Like I wouldn't trade it. I'm not saying, you know, like I, I, I really love, love this business and you know, but you have to, it's almost like you're a boxer, but then like doesn't like pain. It's like, then boxing's not for you. Like no one likes pain. Yeah. You know? But can you deal with it? Can like, you overcome that? If you get punched in the face all day long, like a normal person, you'd be like, fuck this. Like, what are you doing? You know? But you get over it. And a lot of these guys that are in it aren't in it for the money. It's not like they're in it for the money, a lot of these boxers. They know the 0.0001% you're gonna be making a decent paycheck. But you deal with it and you then, you know, become to enjoy it because you can understand it. And you become like Floyd Mayweather where his whole goal was not to get hit. Like any successful boxer will tell you, like, I'm not an idiot. Like, I hope this fight is not to get hit. Like, sorry, I was dancing a lot, but like, I'm not trying to get hit. Mm -hmm. And this business to me, it's it's like very similar to boxing, which I I used to do. Like, you just, you want to minimize those things. And when the clown jumps out of you, at this point, literally... You know, when a clown jumps out of me every single day, 10 times a day with the machete, I'm just like, get the fuck out of my way. Like, get the fu- get out of my fucking face. And I just, you know, you just, just got to go. Like, what are you, you going to do? Every time, not like, all right, fuck you. So just like prioritize your day to day, your weeks. Do you have it? Are you an organized person? Or have you tried to figure, learn how to get to that point? Because now you're facilitating all these different things. You have four different businesses. You have a team of X amount of people. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean to me, I just created my own processes. You know, sometimes I wish that the people I surround myself with already have these processes and have done them better than I have done. And it's a proven system. But unfortunately, a lot of times that doesn't happen because they're in a similar situation as me. And they maybe they've never done that. They're just a really, really good pizza maker. It doesn't mean that they're, you know, an organized pizza maker. Mm-hmm. You know, just because you're a really good employee, sometimes that makes the worst managers. You know, the most right. energetic employee, next thing you'll put him in the manager's position and now they're fucking miserable. He doesn't listen to me. The guy doesn't wear a hat. And it's like, what happened? Like, you, right. you were great. It, it, but, it, you know, and everyone has their thing. So to me, it's like every day, day to day. I just find it funny with the, the hat thing because I agree. Like, there's certain people that just don't want to follow, like, the uniform policy. It's like, dude, just wear the apron. Like, yeah, so. Like, you have to deal with personality. So like that. what just I do. stupid shit so, like that. But what I do is, like, so imagine that, like, you know, the clown jumping out would be me saying to employee A, like, hey, I need you to put your hat on and then telling me like, well, I don't wanna wear my hat. And it's like, then now like the clown jumps out and you could either like get stabbed by like getting in a fight with them or you could say, you know what, just go home, I don't care. And then you just stay and work the shift when you otherwise are supposed to be home with your kid and you hope that that does not continue to happen. Yeah. Or the other way about it is that, you know, maybe there's a way of making the clown stab himself so maybe the clown jumps out and you're like, you know what? Uh, I don't, I, you know what? Try to stab yourself. So what? You know, no, 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 just do it. Just try it. Just try to cut yourself a little bit. Just try it. Just, <laughs> just one time. 
And then they're like, oh, like, uh, sorry. So instead of, you know, like, hey, what's, up, what's up with your hat? What's going on with this hat situation? Well, the thing is, you know, uh, I have an idea. If you can prove to me you wear your hat every day for 365 days in a row, then I'm going to give you a really fucking sick bonus. They don't even listen to what the terms were. They're just like, oh, word? All right. And maybe they'll wear their hat then. Maybe. You have to find out what's right. going to work for them. <laughs> what gets them going. Everybody's Whatever. Different. And it's like, that's, that's, that's unfortunately what it is. So, I don't know. So, somewhat related to survival of the machete clown, what every day gets you fired up? Like, why do you jump out of bed? Like, hell yeah, let's get, let's get going. Like, what, what is it that really, again, fires you up from, from day one, uh, Atlantic City, to even today? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely knowing that the clown. <laughs> That's the title of this podcast, by the way. It's going to be the machete clown. Listen, listen, listen. Avoid the machete clown. Every day the clown's, the, clown, the clown's coming for me. Like, straight up. Like, every day the clown's coming for me. And I know that. So it's almost like a game where, you know, you get out of bed and you're ready to rock. And you have a certain number of things you got to do. You know, like today, just to give an example, we had a health inspection in our Long Branch store. We had a construction inspection in the morning in our Atlantic City store. At a manager meeting in my Hoboken shop, we had new onboarding of two employees here. You know, I had things that I had to get done throughout the day to then make it back here for this and then yeah, have a normal life at home. And the clown's gonna fucking come for me the whole entire time. Whether that clown is an employee, a business partner, uh, the bank, uh, I mean, whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. There's always something fucking yeah. fun to deal with. U.S. Foods. I don't know. Whoever, you know. Um, and it's like, you know, understanding what it takes to, to pacify this clown is part of the battle. The other piece of it is that if you can accomplish these things and you have a vision for what you want the brand to do, articulate, sales number you want to hit, employees getting excited about something, a new item that you're excited about, or saving money because you, you know, decrease the margin or increase the margin, on a product, I mean, those are all things that ultimately, you know, get me going. And more importantly, I tell these guys, um, my buddy who owns a pizzeria, Johnny's Pizza down in North Carolina, said it perfectly. He's like, the customer's on top, all the employees are secondary, the food vendors and all your vendors come third, and I'm here to, like, get the crumbs. Yeah, so so, so every day, you're still getting paid. They're getting paid. I may, may or not get paid. But that customer needs to 100% get, you know, 100% out of us, whatever that means. So every day that you get up, it's if there's a problem with something, if there's something to be fixed, if there's an improvement, like that customer comes first, their experience comes first, their taste buds come first, whatever those things are. And that to me, ultimately, to answer your question is like what gets me going because I don't like to hear bad shit. I don't want to see a bad review. I don't like when the customer's like, oh, you guys are falling off because of whatever. And you find out it's because, you know, maybe employee didn't pay attention and they gave them the wrong slice. And yeah, you want to be consistent. Like, you want oh, to consistency. Yeah, you, you want, you know, whatever, whatever those things are, consistency, you know, you want to give it your 100% and you want to make sure customers appreciate it. And if they don't appreciate it to some way, shape or form, then, you know, that, that value that you're providing just isn't hitting the mark. So you gotta find out, you know, where those things have to go. Is it price, is it, you know, to then meet that perspective, you know, that value, the perceived value in the customer's eyes, which is gonna make them happy. Yeah, I mean, the thing that we, we haven't talked about, I think it's like the number one biggest quality, strongest quality that I see, my perception of you is your creativity. Where do you get, you know, if, if anyone hasn't gone to Tony Bologna's, it's probably the most creative 
pizzeria, an authentic pizzeria, to creativity. I, I generally don't see you as a gimmick play, man. There's other plays that do stuff like that. Every slice of pizza, it's unique, but it actually has a purpose. Where do you that. get the uh, inspiration every time you do something, man? Like, and, like just be like, you know what? Because so like, it's already so flowing. Like one pizza that... I don't want to say it hasn't caught on because it does decent sales, it does decent yeah. numbers, but it just hasn't like, no one like Split talks it. about it. Like, it's not like one of those, oh, that's my favorite pizza. Like it does good sales. Like yeah. maybe they do. I just, you don't, you don't feel it. You don't, you know, is the St. Luigi. And the St. Luigi is a Provel Tachio Pepe sauce. So Provel is a cheese they use in St. Louis. That's their pizza cheese. It's a processed cheese. It's American mixed with cheddar, Swiss and something else. <clears throat> it's really fucking weird, but it's delicious. I love Tachio Pepe. And it's different. And cacio pepe is essentially, you know, uh, pecorino and water with black pepper made into a sauce. I think sometimes people add flour or whatever. But uh, so it's it's all those things, St. Louis style with a sesame seed crust. And a lot of work went into making that sauce because we hold it hot for the grill for a sub. Then we hold it cold. Two different recipes because two different thicknesses, you know, one's thickened, one's not. And there's a lot that goes behind it. And when someone eats it and is like, oh shit, you know what this tastes like? You're even the St. Louis? I'm like, yeah, there you go. But it's hard to articulate. It's called the St. Luigi. No one fucking knows. Yeah. You know? And even if it's the St. Louis style, no one knows Provel cheese. You know, I said, no. you didn't, like, oh yeah, I know yeah. that. Like, you, you just don't know it. But then people catch on a little bit, and then maybe people are exposed to it, and like, yo, this is fucking slamming. Could I go to US Foods and buy an Alfredo sauce? I will tell you, my food supplier, along with every other pizzeria owner that I know, probably 20 plus, buys Alfredo sauce. Like, they don't make Alfredo sauce. Why would you make Alfredo sauce? You could just fucking buy it. And you could dilute it with water and economically, trust me, with labor. And my guys don't give a fuck. And da, 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 yeah. da. Like, <clears throat> maybe that's the way, but I don't want to buy pre-made sauce. I want to make that shit. And on top of that, oh, my, my guys in the back, like Fernando, my head, head chef here, to understand what goes behind it. So when he's making this cacio pepe pizza, he understands it, he feels it, he knows what it's supposed to, to be like, and he takes pride in it, other than taking it out it of the It also inspires hand. the cooks, you know, because yeah. they feel like they're cooks, and they feel like they're just, you know, microwave guys. Yeah, and, and listen, I give, them, I give them a lot of ownership over tweaking things as needed. So, like, I have my recipe, not from anything other than my brain, because I fucked around with it, yeah. and I hand it over. I said, yo, let's make this work. And the guys tweak it up, they whatever, and they, and they submit back to me, yo, this is what works, taste it. <clears throat> and I'll say it's too thick, it's too gelatinous too much cornstarch, just too much this, you know, whatever it is. So your creativity really comes from your traveling and just, just, where does com- the creativity come from? Yeah, I mean, I used to hash in Italy, probably, right? <laughs> yeah. Probably the hash in oh, Italy, yeah. probably the hashish, <laughs> yeah. definitely yeah. some, right? Yeah, but like, you know, everywhere I go, it's just, there's a different element to, you know, like what I'm eating. Like if I'm in Florence and I'm eating tripe, I mean. Oh, I hate tripe. Right. That's, that's the one <clears> thing. <throat> Adam one asked thing. me the other day what I didn't like. Right. And I couldn't figure it out. I just thought of it. Yeah. Tripe. Tripe. But like, if you're so there... That's the, that's the, the Oregon family. Yeah, you're talking yeah, about organs, right? Ah, it's like... It's the <coughs> but if you're like... Yeah. Dude, stinks. I know. But if it's prepared the right way, just like chitlins, chitlins, whatever, you know, like, and it's prepared the right way, you're not going to know you're eating tripe. If you're in Sicily... So, Alex. I love that you keep on using Alex as like a <laughs> resource. What's the name of the sandwich in Licata? It's all the intestines in the bread. Uh, like, what's the name of that yeah so it's like and, and like I would never eat that shit like, yeah. I wouldn't be like my oh you know what I'm hungry for lunch today yeah, because those meats are smoked correct and cured no yeah. no 
No. Well, they test it. They put it in a pot. They boil it. And they, they mix different spices in it, you know? And yeah. then... I'm happy that's not on a yeah. pizza, though, man. But, like, but then you eat that, and you're like, oh, shit. Like, you know, I'm not taking away from it using intestines, but I am taking away from, like, the flavor, the, you know, the complexity of the, the, the aroma, the mouthfeel. Like, there's different things in there that definitely have their benefits. Not everything about it's going to be good. Like, <clears throat> well, when we spoke a few years ago, I remember us talking about your creativity, you have all these ideas... But then there's like a kind of a balance between, are you can come to your staff, your team, and say, hey, I got these 10 new ideas. I mean, what the fuck? Like, operations-wise, this doesn't make sense logistically. So how do you, whether it's choosing one of those 10 ideas to make happen, or is there a process to say, all right, I got these 10 ideas, but then the staff's going to kill me, or, or I want all 10, or I would want just one? Like, how does that work? How does it go from these ideas, from wherever they yeah. come from, to, uh, you know, for sale? Yeah, I mean... Truthfully, it, it all boils down to, you know, the, anyone's willingness to learn. Um, I always say everyone slow it down. Like, that's my thing. Like, when I come in the kitchen or any of my restaurants, it doesn't matter. I'm like, you guys good? All right, just slow it down. I don't even know what the fuck's going on. Maybe they're busy. Maybe they're not busy. Maybe there's nothing going on. But I will tell them. <laughs> Can't get slower, sir. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's because he's running at 100 miles <laughs> right, per hour. Right. Right. And I'll say, so he's saying it to them, but he's really telling himself, "All right, well, we need right. to slow but, down." But the, the, point, the, the clown is coming after but, me. What, and the point is, <laughs> everybody that, run, everyone, slow it down. And why? Because let's just say we're bringing on 10 new different subs. What's going to happen if you bring 10 new subs on a menu that already has 40, 50 subs? Everyone's going to lose their shit. What the fuck? Are you kidding me? One more thing. But there's a reason behind it. You know, maybe it's because. There are 10 different flavors that are all great, and it's going to be survival of the fittest as to what people order. Maybe we're doing a trial on Uber, and we're just putting it on Uber. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're putting it on Postmates. Maybe we're putting it on Grubhub. Maybe we're putting it on as a special board outside. <clears throat> Maybe it's just for the late-night audience. And if you slow it down and you have a willingness to learn, you'll take the time to understand those 10 new elements, those 10 new things in a process that's already established. It's not like you're creating 10 new processes. You're just adding a different ladle or a different whatever. A different sauce for yeah, it. Yeah, so like if you are able to do that, then the result of that will, will be us doing a trial and being successful at it, knowing that we're gonna shelve nine of those or eight of those, keep two of them, remove the, the two on the menu that don't work, and now our sales have gone up and our customer satisfaction has gone up because now we've narrowed into things that not only the customer likes, but then you guys are also going to say, there's 10 items, eight of those suck. The eighth one that sucks was one of the ones that the customers liked. How do we tweak that? How do we make it better? How do we make it easier for the staff? Fernando's got to train all these guys. Yeah. And train the front of the house staff to then articulate the customers. How are we going to be successful at it by process of elimination and really willingness to, to learn and care to make it successful. The easy way of going about it is to say, fuck it, we have eight menu items. Like, that's what a lot of places do. Eight menu items. Unfortunately, in this day and age, I don't think, you know, I don't want to stifle my brain, you know, call ADD, call whatever you want. I don't want to stifle that. And on top of that, if I'm meeting a demand of a customer, then it's not going to be eight new items. It's really probably going to be two new items. Yeah. And we're going to get rid of... The others. The others. So... You know, again, I think it boils down to management, training, and people's willingness to learn. And Fernando, yo, Fernando, <laughs> Fernando, day in the life, Jersey City. <laughs> so for, like, Fernando, he's doing inventory. That's right. So Fernando, 
Yeah, I've like, been here for four months. I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't work here anymore. Oh. So what was he just doing in the base? What was he doing in the basement? He's just fucking chilling. Oh, I thought he was doing inventory. That's all right. But you know, like, like, and then he'll and he'll he'll look at me straight up. Yeah. And he'll go, all right, cool. And it's my responsibility to take the time to make sure that he has the time to then work on these things. Because if I just throw it, throw it on him and it's a busy Friday night, what the fuck is he going to do? Instead, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait till the opportunity's right, wait till yeah. he has time, put it in his schedule. If he doesn't want to do it himself, I can then help him out. Say, yo, you have five hours, six hours this day where all you're doing is these 10 new things and working on the, with the guys. That's it. He's not going to feel worried. He's not going to be like, oh, I got to make pizza and I got to do this. And oh my God, what do yeah. I... I feel like someone on your team has to understand, you know, your vision and all of that. With all of that creativity, with all of the everything, right? Yeah. There's a reason why you are one of the most famous pizza guys within the country. For real, though, man, you have been viral numerous, numerous times. Live with More Kelly, than, right, the Chew. Been on, you've been on Food Network. You and I have both been on the Chew. We did that together, which was awesome. Then, uh, you know, uh, good. I mean, you name it. We've done it. You've done it all. You really have. With all of those cool ass experiences, what do you think? What what really gets embedded in your mind? What was what's something that was one of the coolest experiences that you've done in a media perspective? Oh man, I mean, I would say in general to take to the God's honest truth. Yeah. Like, between all the TV shows and all the viral stuff and, and interviews and and whatever special appearances, I would say like live. Aside from the fact that it's like with the Kelly most and Ryan when you did that show. I've been on there, I think, six times already. Well, maybe more. And every time I'm on there, that is the one show I will tell you. And it's always the same format. It's always like you're going on the show, you wait in the green room, <clears throat> they, you, you go through the motions, they prep you what you're going to talk about. They, you know, the whole, there's a whole like, process. It doesn't matter where it is. I don't care if it's Action Branch and Vice. It doesn't matter if it's GMA. It, it, it's all like the same sort of format. Yep. But <clears throat> that in particular, I feel like, Every time I'm on it, there is a level of competency, organization, and just general like care that a lot of other shows maybe don't focus on. It's more of like, well, we gotta get them in and I get them out and then get them in, get them out. Like the bake, you know, we did the, yeah. the chew. Like yeah, we did the it is table. what it is. And you know, yeah. you want to get a picture and they're like, oh, listen, you know. Yeah. Live with Kelly, it's like, I can have a focused 30 minute conversation with Ryan Seacrest about Puglia and this place Borgo and or I can sit there and eat lunch with Kelly and talk about this and understand the inner workings and talk to all the staff and Hassan who does security and like there's just it's not just me it's like I'm like this golden child that they yeah. treat special like every guest so like you leave there with appreciation of like what they do how many moving parts there are in that organization they have to deal with upper management they have to deal with bureaucracy and then they put on a killer show and on top of that you feel like you're part of it. You feel like you're in on it. Whereas a lot of the shows, you're kind of like the circus clown. Right. <laughs> yeah, about yeah. the clowns, you know? Right. You're the happy clown. Right. Maybe like the happy, sad clown. Like, yeah. You're like, oh, like, what's going on here? But like, I'm going to fucking do my thing, you know? Yeah. And, then and then you come back out. and you're just like, wah, wah, like, what happened? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Whereas like, live, like, they really like. You feel like you're a part of the, the show. They get you episode. into it. And they, yeah. you know, and like, it just, it's different. So like, as an experience wise, like, that I think has been the most positive. And that's where people, I think, also have a genuine connection with, whether it's her or Seacrest right. or, yeah. or Michael or, or Anderson Cooper, like whoever's on it, like the, the response we get back from that show, it could be me like grilling some steak 
for 30 seconds. It could be a little clip of our pizza. That they sh- it doesn't matter what it is. We get the most insane response back from that show every time. Like hordes of people coming in the store, tourists, locals, never heard of us. They're like, I saw you today. And you're like, don't you work? And they're like, well, yeah, but we watch it at work. And you're like, wait, what? Like, you know? So like every walk of life, every what you otherwise would never think, you just it hits like on all cylinders. So, so touching really on that cool. point too, like you've done a lot of work with influencers and obviously press and things yeah, like yeah. that. What what is your take on that? Because there's a lot of you know every end of the spectrum, restaurant owners and food uh, business owners yeah. think about it different ways, but. I've seen you leverage it very, very well. Um, I'm just curious kind of how your mindset was to even go that route, but then two, um, you know, how you've done it and you know, what your take is and what that ROI is for you. Yeah, I mean, with influence and stuff like that, it's kind of a tough balance because you get hit up a lot and everyone wants something for, for nothing. You know, they want, they want free food mm-hmm. or they want clout, so they want to be associated with something that maybe has a lot of likes or at least has a good audience or, 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 you know, base. And the tough thing for me is that, you know, I don't, I mean, maybe this is like a fault of mine, but like, I don't say no to anybody, you know, like, I mean, you could watch me with customers, like I'll throw, I'll throw shit at them. Like when I'm here, the store is the least profitable. hundred <laughs> percent. Like yeah. all my Same stores, when I'm there, yeah. Oh, what's up, dude? Yeah, I got you. Yo, hook them up with extra this. Like it's, it's yeah. in, in Atlantic city. Like I can't go there and have a meeting with a manager, I have to go park in the back of, this, uh, of the building and walk up the side steps in the office. Because if not, I'm there for five or six hours. Like, talk, go, what's up, how you been? Da, 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 da. So, you know, with influencers, it's tough because they want something for nothing. And the nothing isn't nothing. You know, they're, they're offering a service. What's up, buddy? They're offering a service. They're offering something that could help. At what point do you say no? And at what point is, does it become detrimental to your business from a monetary standpoint where I want to do a collaboration? It's like, all right, cool. Like, you want to do some interesting shit? And it's like, well, no. I just want to come in and eat food and I'm going to put you in my blog of 10,000 people. And it's like, I appreciate that, but I'd rather you just come in and pay. And maybe if it was viral and some crazy shit yeah. happens, then like, I'll hook you up or, or yeah, I'll send right. you a gift card or like, then we could do it in the future. Whereas you have other guys like Devour Power, which you know I work with, yeah. and... You know, like they're, they're, they're genuine people. They're not really like, as much as they're like the shock and awe, like they, you know, bam, like in your face, like in the get likes, they're not aggressive like that. They're not, they're not the brand of influencer that puts me off. There's a lot of influencing brands that put me off that are kind of the same, like in your face and look at this and whatever, but I don't think they're genuine and I don't think that they really understand understand it like they don't understand the restaurant business they don't understand that uber takes 15 uh, 30 percent of your sale and grow up takes 15 percent of your sale and that credit cards take three percent of your sale and waste and theft in a restaurant is two to five percent and that overhead is 10 to 12 percent like they don't food cost is anywhere from 25 to 30 percent labor i mean they don't understand any of these things all they see is likes let's drive sales by likes and it's like well can you quantify that and they're all like well no but like look how many likes you've gotten it's like well where are those likes coming from albuquerque new mexico like that's great (laughs) you know like that that's that's great because i i love you know uh just like getting brand brand recognition but then end of the day like right so if your play is to expand internationally or nationally then yeah i guess then that could possibly work but where do you put your dollars 
And you know, my father told me something a long time ago. Like the first thing he told me, he told me two really good things. One I'm not going to mention. The other thing he basically told me. He's <laughs> I'm like, so curious about that one. He, he told me, he's like, you know, everyone's coming for your money. Especially when you're successful or perceived successful. Everyone's coming for your money. And that's cool. Like it takes money to make money. So don't be discouraged by that because everyone's in it to make money and everyone's here to make a dollar. It doesn't matter if you're selling linens or you're doing, that's what we do. The point is, end of the day, you also need money. So the goal is to walk away with as much, keep as much as you can and give away as little as you can without being a piece of shit. Yeah. And being honest with yourself. <clears throat> it's like if your labor is at 15%, that's not a good thing. That means that like you're not servicing your customers properly. Yeah. Where there's an issue. You know what I mean? But like, but I'm keeping it at 15% labor. It's like, dude, you also Or you're just not paying people enough. You know, it's one of some, those. Yeah. So <laughs> like, but that that's the standard, is you know, so yeah. <clears throat> so when it comes down to it, like the influencer thing is a tough thing. And I don't want to disparage any influencer. I'm not like the ice cream guy that's like, fuck you. If you're an influencer and ask me for something, you're not getting shit, you're getting double right. charged. Like right. that's what they do for a living. Like that's why they're here. So I respect that and I get that. At the same time, it's like there's only so much you can give. Right. And there's only so much that you can do without being fully cannibalized. And what's the value behind it? And if someone, if an influencer comes to me, which they never do, and say, hey, listen, I got some like value-based proposition for you. We're gonna do this, and if it works out, how about we do X amount of dollars per this? Or we do a special with like use code this or mention this, and we'll give you this and we quantify it. You know, I'll, I'll give you 10% of the sales as a trial. I don't care. It's never the way it is though. Yeah, it's not. Does a billboard company ever come and say, you know what, I'll put up a free billboard for you. And if they use that code, you know, you owe me $1,000 a week. $1,000 a week, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, if they did it and it worked, I would, I'd give them $3,000 a week. It wouldn't right. matter. Oh, shit, I'm getting fucking clobbered here with sales. Yeah. Dude, here you go. Like, wow, I'll pay you $5,000 a week because you're killing it for me. That's never, that, that's not how it, it works because that takes that influencer or the advertiser to invest right. in it. And it be a team member. Like, Devour Power does that. Like, they invest. They don't ask for money up front a lot of times. They'll yeah. say straight up, like, we're not here for that. Like, if we work for you, great. If it doesn't work, then That's fuck it. it don't pay us. That's great. That's genuine. It means, like, they're in it. No, they are, gen they are genuine. They're not, looking to, they're not looking to suck all the money out of you. And then all the other clients, they don't charge them anything. And you're their, their cash cow. Like, it's not like that. There's a lot of influencers, you know, hey. Dude, I, I think you're an influencer. Hundred dollars. Hundred dollars. Do you ever get that? You're an influencer now. Do you ever get that? Hundred dollars. Do you ever get that? What? Hundred dollars, and we'll do per post. post. Yes, of and course. And whatever it is, yo, what are you talking All the time. about? We'll All post the time. our site. It's hundred dollars. It's best was like it was like nine thousand dollars. It's always the New York ones. Consistently, <laughs> NYC something something. Yeah, yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Yes. I don't want to say that. I don't. Yeah. Wanna, you know. <laughs> I got you, but hundred percent is them. What the fuck? You like last time before the deal ends? Hundred dollars. It's like, right. dude, you sent me this a week ago. But I don't want to be rude, so I don't. I don't write back nasty. Yeah. I'd be, oh, thank you so much. Sounds like a great opportunity. You know, uh, good luck, and we'll see if it ever works in the future. There's no fucking way I'm doing that. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? So it's tough with influencers. And at the same time, there's a lot of influencers that you know, we know yeah. collectively that you've worked with, you work with, whatever it is. That this is how they make their money, or at least they're trying to. But what but advice would you give to someone that you know now admirable. has been able to do organic growth? You know, you've done be able to do organic growth. What would you get advice to the next person who's trying to open up a food business or another company or retail or wholesale or whatever the hell they're doing? You know, they're going to need to do marketing. You obviously have done extraordinarily well in marketing. If they don't know, understand business, line up with someone that does. 
have hard constraints. So if the numbers don't work, the numbers don't work. And either you figure it out or you just work off a different set of conditions and fucking hustle and work. I mean, grind. What is, what is, uh, what is your growth strategy moving forward? Is it more locations? Is it more robust of your current locations? I mean, working, is there one? Yeah, we're working on a couple of things right now that like are going to enable us to scale in different ways without more locations. <clears throat> um, scale without locations, you said? Without more locations, okay. you know. So, you know, the, the mail order business is something that's been attractive for a long time. There's companies out there that do really well in it. Um, Have you it, messed with Gold Belly at all? They don't get back to me. Yes. Yeah, they're difficult to contact. I went to, co- I went to college with the guy that founded it. No way. Yeah. So I don't know if he if I got so hammered one time at a party and said some crazy shit. <laughs> yeah, you kissed shit the girl that he liked in senior maybe, year, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 possible. Like I was never like blacked out on Zanny or anything, but <laughs> I definitely you know like I I've, I I you know I've done my fair share of other drugs. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I said some crazy shit to him. I don't know. Yeah. So but, you're thinking. So instead of Gold Belly, because you probably hit him in the head when you were dressed up as a clown during Halloween. Possible. Um, maybe he was the one that fell out the window. Yeah. Right. The other strategies so were possible. what? Just against shipment. Because yeah, delivery so is fulfillment, the future. Shipment. I mean, if you notice, like ghost kitchens are a huge thing right yes. now. Yeah, yeah. But it's tough. I mean, if you run the numbers, it's you know just just take Uber's model in particular. If Uber's your only business under these sets of conditions that we are currently dealing with, you'd be out of business. Yeah. 30% of your sale whack. is okay. If, if you have if, other if, things. If you're already doing everything else and, and, and you have a hundred dollar order and 30% is going to Uber, well, you can't say like your, well, your labor, labor is, no, it's really your food costs. Your food costs maybe is 30 bucks for $30. Your overhead's already here. You're already paying for this. You're already paying for the lights. You're already paying for insurance. Your workers now are already here. Maybe they have to work a little extra. It's not really 30%. Like, it is 30%, but it's not. If that's your only condition, and that's what you're working under, you can't pay rent like we pay here. No way. You can't have staff like we have here. It's, it's, it's a different animal. So like, What's the most popular platform for you? I mean, it really depends on what's going on. Really? Yeah. Depends on location or time or... I mean, location, time, so seasonality, what people order. Interesting. I mean, I have my own takes on these things. I have like these elaborate quant grids of the way the markets move for us and breakdown of sales versus profitability versus ordering platform and how they move. So like it's, there's definitely trends in these things. But Where do the you one, see the trends going towards? You see it towards the gross? The train's already fucking hitting us. Everyone's getting hit by the Uber train. Yeah. You can't avoid it. So, so you know, I know you don't do Uber. But I'm about to, I'm about to launch Uber Eats. No, so. but, like, but, but if you think about it, like, you know, that's good if you could stave them off as fast yeah. as possible. I think in today's economy in general, it's not even about, it's like old school place, like I only take cash. Like that's great for you, you know? And like Fiori's does that and that's great. Like that's amazing. That's the best margin you can yeah. have. But there's also a lot of implications behind that and, and, and managing cash on, on a big yeah. level. And then on top of that, you know, is someone driving from there to he, here to there at an off time and not the line at the door time, you know, yeah. and, and when there's nothing going on, the answer is probably going to be no, because mm-hmm. lunch has already passed and you've already had, you know, yeah. so like it provides access when you otherwise maybe wouldn't have it. But the train's already here. It's already hitting everyone. I mean, to retain drivers nowadays, like you don't have your own drivers. You no, use a I service. Serve it. Yeah, we have our own drivers. And in Hoboken, they've been with me forever, six years. Like. They're, they're, they're ready to rock at all times. And like, I, I support them 
with opportunities to grow, you know, right? right. But money, yeah. but in general, even like with here, you know, we we just switched to Grubhub delivery, which also has their issues. But the guys who come in here are guys that either used to work for me in Hoboken or used to work for places around, and and they can work when they want, not work when they want. They can turn their phone on, turn their phone yeah. off. The gig economy, like it makes it so much easier where they can be so much more agile and versatile that eventually, and a lot of places do this, they'll say, we solely deliver through DoorDash or, or whatever it is. And they consolidate that. When someone calls up, like usually, yeah, what's up, Tony Bologna's pick up a delivery. If you notice more and more, like neighborhood pizzerias that I grew up with in, in Jersey, you call up now, and it's like, hey, 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 doing? Yeah, okay, I want to order delivery. All right, right now we're exclusively delivering through Grubhub, and you're like, whoa, like yeah. you were the same guy, right. you know, drinking beers behind the counter, <laughs> talking about some weird fucking soccer game in Italy, talking shit with your grandfather, your cousins in the kitchen, your brothers over <laughs> here. I still hear those guys in the background, and 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 some kid that like is like happens to drive, but he's also fucking high. And he, you know, like he's, he just got out of practice and he's still wearing his cleats. And like, that's like the norm. And now like, they're just, like, no one wants to do that. Or parents don't want their kids going out there and delivering pizza mm-hmm. if they can afford not to do it. And then you have this gig economy where it's like, well, if you're gonna do it, I would need you to be home by this time and this time. And the pizzeria is like, nah, you gotta fucking work during dinner, dude. Mm-hmm gig economy you work when you want to work and if the opportunity's there you're gonna fucking work during dinner and i think the train i think the train has already hit us it's just how do we navigate around it how do we make it work for us which is the tough transition because the sets of conditions that you're dealing with or how to make people happy and keep your store clean and have your employee not fucking do nothing for the last 30 minutes <laughs> listen, listen to us in our Alex. podcast <laughs> Alex you know? in the corner for those and he doesn't even understand what we're talking about anyway <laughs> fucking italy right right but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but, you know, you think about it with all the other things that are going on, right? Then on top of that, what otherwise is normal and clear with an exposure of like 8 to 12% to facilitate delivery now becomes a whole different animal that you have to navigate around. Mm-hmm. Plus competition, plus this, plus that, plus, 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 you know, like it's a lot. Mm-hmm. So you think about it, Fiore's. Which I love, by the way. It's amazing, and then yeah. they're always in the back, like counting their. They're cash. great, yeah. They're good, but you know what? Like honestly, they're good people. They're like, great yeah. people, and it's, and it's that's the old school thing. vibe. It's like I think they had us. You have to start that way. Lucerto, 50 years ago, dude. They're good people. Like I like Lucerto. And they actually work there every single day. That's right. like different they're with putting the old in the work. Listen, it's Bianca, like me just being in one location with like just my dad and my sister and my mom and like. But the, but one see, but see, there's a different animals. Think about if you own the building, you lived upstairs, your whole family worked for you. I don't know if they do. I think they do, but like. Dude, to think about those conditions that they work under rather than what we work under. Yeah. AC, I own the building. It's different. Yeah, but, but dude, I couldn't imagine the parking lot next door. You don't, dude, have, to, you could, don't have to find parking just, in Hoboken. It's, it's, it's a different set of conditions. So to me, it's like, you know, to, to that point, it's a, it's a different world that we're entering into yeah. across the board. And we have to be as agile as possible and understand. And, you know, we still want the same results. We still want the same bottom line. We still want the same margins. But we're di- working with a totally different set of conditions. So it's up to us to be able to adapt. And again, like guys like Bianca Mano, love them. Classic. Yeah, Lucerto, those guys. Love those guys. Like, mm-hmm. love the, I, dude, I'm there like once a week. The Fiore's, like, they're old school, genuine, whatever. They're just, it's a different, it's a different set of conditions. And for a new business to open up, it's not like that. 
Like, yeah. You're going to open up and you're big. Ah, I'm going to do cash. I'm only open fucking six hours. And right. I don't, you know, like it doesn't, it, the economics are not there like that. And, 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 and who are you going to find literally other than animals like ourselves that are willing to put in 20 hours a day consistently? Yeah. Not no. easy to find. Absolutely. So what, uh, what does, what does success look like for you? Cause we're talking about all these businesses, like ideally just taking cash and that's it and whatever. But, um, you know, what does that look like? Whether it's today or maybe it's a few years down the road, what, what makes you successful in your mind? I don't know. I just want to be good for my kids, cool. my family. Love it. So fun question. Dinner with three people. We're doing a speed round right now. Oh my God. Dinner with three people. Who would they be and why? Dude. If guru is still alive from Gangstar. Yeah, def- dead or alive, dead or alive. Yeah, definitely Guru from Gangstar. He would be like my number one, absolutely one thousand percent number one. Um, three people. Yeah, well, that's really tough. That's really tough. I mean, definitely Guru from Gangstar. I would say. Oh my God, shit! I don't know Donald Trump probably, okay. just because like whether you like him or you hate him. You know, the guy is a fucking lunatic. Yeah. And I'd love to just be the clown with the machete, you know, for a conversation with him. Yeah. To see someone with that kind of balls, you know, uh, sociopathic type demeanor, how far you could take it with someone like that. Yeah. Until they I mean, l- walk like you away said, or they said, fight yeah. back. Love or, it's love or hate scary. Him. No, no. It'd be interesting. It'd be an awesome interesting dude, regardless. Yep. No, scary. Like, I mean, the guy is fucking scary. <laughs> so I, I'd love to, you know, pop inside of his brain for a little bit. And um, the third would be my mom, who's also not here. Nice. You know, that would definitely be, like, top of the food chain. Okay. Actually, awesome. I'm going to swap out Trump, fuck him, and I'm going to do my grandmother, Minga. Sweet. I'm going to be selfish on the personal level. Nice. It'd be my grandmother, Minga, and my mother, and then, and then Guru. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? I don't know. Instantly lose weight, have two percent body fat. <laughs> That's everybody's superpower. That's and, a good uh, one, man. And uh, <laughs> you know, have a chiseled fucking jawline. Genetically, I don't think that's you'd in my cards. On, you'd be on live with Ryan and Kelly a lot more often. <laughs> I'd be live with Mike. Live with Mike. I, I do. I literally, I literally, every every time I'm on that uh, one of the shows, but that show in particular, I have like these like yentas that I grew up with, you know. Like my, my, my Aunt Myra and whatever, but like these yentas from anywhere, and they're like, you know, we did a great job, but like your hair is a mess. Like, why do you fix your hair? Or like, looks like you're missing a tooth. How come you don't get braces? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, like your beard looks like, like a double chin. It's like, no, I have a double chin. That's why I have a fucking beard. Like, like, uh, okay, but thank you. I appreciate that. I'm happy you watched. Yeah, thanks for watching. I guess. Oh, have a great day. You know? Oh no, it's like, it's. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> Favorite menu item and or slice. I think I know this one. I think slice I know this one. one too. Oh, man. Slice-wise, anyway. Oh. House is my favorite slice. And Got me- that wrong. Me- Mexican corn. Mexican yeah, that's corn. what I thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mexican corn and house. I always have Mexican corn as well. Yeah. Favorite menu item, like go-to, 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 is a sub that I just make myself. And it's, uh, it's chicken cutlet. It's garlic aioli. It's fried long hot peppers, it's Calabrian chili spread, it's lemon vinaigrette, melted monster cheese, um, and then extra monster cheese and extra mayo. That sounds fire. Everything but the sink. It's good. It's good on a seeded roll, toasted, like, it's fire. It just, it's like, you know, basic or, or whatever, so 
it's not one of those things that like yeah you got you got you have chi- you have the, the menu chi- you're the chicken, like oh the wow cheese, that sounds massive. great like, it doesn't sound anything special i don't know man i think and i would probably get it, it. And you're like fuck that's good oh shit that's good <laughs> so like, that's my i'll make that for like a lot of cops come in the shop and ac or hoboken whatever like if they're there they always look at me like yo give me the wild card and it's basically whatever the fuck i want to make them and i'll wild card it for him and like there's a good shot with like the wild card i know you're gonna make me so just make it unless you have something else in mind. And I'm like, no, nah, that's what I was going to make. <laughs> 86, a food trend. What would it be? Um, oh, man. 86, a food trend. Holy shit. I don't know. Like trying too hard for Instagram, I guess. Because like we do try really hard to do creative shit. And sometimes it's it's visually and whatever appealing for Instagram and it works out. Or sometimes it's just really fucking cool but it looks doesn't look anything special. So for me to spend the time to make it that special, maybe detracts from what it would taste like or how it would appear. So when you see a lot of those things, you're just like, like, like why? And I hate saying that because people work hard on things like, and they try really hard. And even if it's a goofy concept, it's still like, like you're trying, like you're at least trying. So like I appreciate that more than anything. Like good for you. I don't care what it is. Yeah. So I don't disparage anybody that's trying. But some things you're just like, fuck. Trend wise, I don't know. You know what? I want people to stop doing these massive spreads of like food at like Korean restaurants, just because it's too hard and I can't do it. I don't want to do that, and I don't want to have to try to do that. These big fucking spreads with a million different ramekins of different things and the fucking duck spread out and this and that, like. I need like I need like 50 employees to be able to execute something like that. <laughs> I don't stop. You make 100%. it, you know, like I don't want to do that shit. If logistics didn't matter, where would you open up a Tony Bolognese? Anywhere in the world. If logistics it just, didn't matter, so you could like bring your whole book and yeah, squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's like really tough. Honestly, like. The dark side of me saying somewhere that I'm not going to say. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> but, but we don't want to talk about it after this. But, <laughs> but a lot to talk about. like, like yeah, like the like the devil in me says something. The the other side of me says probably like Sicily. You know, yeah. not that it would be a good play. Like profitability. You probably like people would be like yeah, people would be so insulted. They they literally throw you like fifty cents. You'd be like. That's what I'm paying for a slice. And you're like, no, no, it costs like $5. Like, $5, like, take this. And they'd slap you. I saw Domino's going from like something like 28 units to like 880 in Italy. And everybody's freaking out. All no the locals way. are like, this is bullshit. Well, Rightfully I'll, so. I'll tell you right now, like Alex is in from Italy right now. He's in for three months. And he's not working here because he does not have a, a visa to work. He's just visiting for three months. But I will tell you that over there, fast food is like, kind of like a luxury where they're intrigued by it like yeah. Popeyes like in Egypt like Popeyes is like oh dude out of control and like it's a novelty that, and they have like waiter service and they sit down yeah, it's like yeah, it's a family meal like, it, like, KFC like, is a part of Christmas like in so, China so for us for me growing up in New Jersey Pizza Hut sort of was like that they used to have a salad bar you'd sit down there's a waitress buffet like, at lunch the best right. Wendy's you guys are probably too young to remember this Wendy's used to have a fucking super bar buffet but there was garlic bread and fiesta Mexican shit like dude it was like a thing like breakfast at Burger King breakfast buffet like these are things that like were maybe normal for like 
America, you know? Yeah. Where it's now like they're international. And Alex, the first one, he, like, he won't eat Italian food here because he's like, fuck is this? Unless it's a place that he knows in New York or, or yeah, yeah, New Jersey yeah. Yeah. that is like authentic. But the other stuff's like novelty. And it's like, oh shit, like. So Domino's is not it like really is off a, it's the a different table. type of slice. Domino's is just different pizza. No, it's different. Yeah, like, yeah. It's got its place, though. Yeah. Like it, it totally has its place. Yeah. No, Domino, every Listen, I don't hate any pizza place. I Everything has its place. Like, yeah. everything is good in its own way. I, I think Red Baron is fucking delicious. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I was every, every Friday in high school, they always had Red Baron. Yeah, Stouffer's. Of course you would. French Mac and bread cheese. pizza. Oh, that too, yeah. You know, like, everything has its place. I don't disparage any of this, but it's interesting, like, you know, even, like, espresso. Like, the thing about it. Every place in Italy, like we go to this place called Texas. Yo, what's the tobacco called? <laughs> Texas? Texas bar? Yo, come on some DJ the bar. Texas bar? Texas, right? Yeah. Tex? This place called Texas, the Tata. <laughs> and it's called Tex. It just came to me. I had to like ask it at the times in my brain. But you go in and the guy's sitting there. His father used to run it. His son is there like doing something with fucking something. You know, as the opportunity comes available, his son doesn't want to do that shit anymore. Yeah. And then a franchisee comes in, says, I'm open to Starbucks, and everyone laughs. And then they open up, and then everyone starts going there because the coffee's cheaper. It's not as good. It hits your wallet. And the next thing you know, the guy says, you know what? I'm, I'm getting old. I don't want to do it. Hey, son, do you want to do it? And he says, I don't want to compete against Starbucks. Mm. You know, and then maybe a generation later, he comes in and says, yo, there's, there's a... People now have money in Sicily, and I'm gonna open up my own spot, compete at Starbucks, and I'm gonna do artisan, and then like another cycle happens, and they, if they can't hold out, so like it's no surprise to me that these things work. Yeah, it's big boys coming in, man. Makes sense. Like even if like Florence would probably be the place that I'd open up. Love Florence, was there for a year. It just it's different, but you know what can the market bear? Supply and demand, and Florence is definitely not, I don't think, the place for like a Tony Bonus. Yeah, but it, you know, right. What can our audience do for you? We appreciate your time and let us chill today and hang out. Uh, we want to know whatever our audience can do to, to you personally or help Tony Bloney's or um, just for yours. Oh, by the way, the sinister thing that I was going to say for location would be somewhere like tucked away in the middle of nowhere, like like, like on, on a beach in Brazil where there's fucking nothing going on and you can smoke weed and drink and chill out and like selfishly like do nothing in the most beautiful environment and not give a fuck. Like that's that decision. That's not, good. That's not dark. That's dark. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's dark. perfectly common sense. You know, but like, yeah. that's it's not a, even as dark as I thought it was. No, gonna be. I, I know what, I know what you were thinking. I know you, I said that, and you guys were like, oh shit, like, <laughs> like hookers and stuff. Like, nah, that's not where I was going. Just I'm like, going for like, I just want to hang out on like on no, my porch. I, just, I want to do nothing. Like, yeah. I want to fucking chill and do nothing. Yeah, that's not realistic either. So, what were you gonna say? What can our audience do for you, or for Tony Bonis? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, listen, give, give, give constructive criticism when needed. You know, keep us in check if we start to slack or do something that you don't like. You know, unfortunately, sometimes our good customers are the best advocates for us. So they'll be the one to say, hey, yo, listen, I know that this kid seems nice, but he fucked up my order two times in a row. He's not paying attention. Like, sometimes, like, there's that many moving parts. We've line out the door. We don't catch every little thing. And it's appreciated when someone says, not like, I had this one guy, it's a customer, I'm not going to say his name, but, you know, he reaches out to me, it could be two in the morning, 
We just ordered pizza. We had a poker game. And the fucking pizza is shit. It's inedible. What the fuck, dude? You guys aren't fucking paying attention. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, and yeah. then, like, two days later, he's like, hey, what's up, man? Like, do you want to? And I'm like, yo, how about you write to me the next day? Or how about you call the shop at 2 and say, can I talk to the managers, cream there, or whatever? You know the guys. Yo, I just got pizza. And they'll say, oh, wow. Like, hold on. I'm so sorry. They'll fucking send you new pizza. It's not life or death. Yeah. Or instead, the next day, hitting me up, yo, just so you know. I don't get excited over that. That, that clown coming out, uh, I don't give a fuck about. I want to know. So I can pacify that clown. Hey, yo, mm -hmm. guys, what happened last night? Oh, the thing is, well, do me a favor. He's got to go. I don't want him on pizza anymore. This guy's got to come over there. I need everyone to slow it down and make sure they're not over-saucing or cheesing the pizza because that's what happened. It came too hot. The cheese fucking fell off. You delivered it because you wanted to get it to him. Everyone's trying their best. I get it, but... Yeah, figure that's out not a, That's not a good... Constructive criticism is key. Right. Not I just constructive. I want, yo, Mike, this is what rational. I'm seeing. This is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. We can improve upon that. Something to build off of. That's going to get me excited. Getting fucking stabbed by a clown every single day. <laughs> and then, you know, that's not the most productive way to help out. So right. to answer your question, for the listeners, or if you're a fan of Tony Bologna's, we always want to improve. We always want to get better. We always want to meet your needs. So anything constructive. It's beneficial. Cool. It's, it's really I'm beneficial. In. I appreciate Thanks, Mike. you, Mike. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you, homie. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please feel free to give us a review on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on Instagram at last.dish. That's L-A-S-T dot D-I-S-H. Share with your friends, your family, your mailman, your dentist, the garbage man, everybody. Much love, people.